0: Welcome inside the Legends Legends Lounge, Lounge. where baseball VIPs are hanging out and talking about their life in the game.
1: Not one, not two, but three Legends Lounge hosts with you for the (laughs) end of your bash. And the first time you have the uh, unique, epic combination of Oh, Alana and myself together. Hello, friends. Alana. Hello. It's oh, like,
2: yeah. uh, you know, we always talk about too many cooks in the kitchen. This is the first time it's three <laughs> hosts. It's a host extraordinaire. <laughs> I'm happy to be with both of you. It's good to finally see O uh, in person, if you will, and right. uh, let's do this.
3: I hear you. And and listen, there uh, are three hosts, but our fearless leader, Scotty B, uh, you know, navigates it so well. So, really have enjoyed the show, Scotty. So what what do you got in store for us here in this, uh, you know, end of the year extravaganza?
1: I'm glad you asked. Oh, So we have done dozens of interviews. This is a weekly show. Of course, you hear it on Sirius. You can grab it wherever you get your podcasts. We're all over the place. And really, we are documenting the lives of mostly former players through the MLB Players Alumni Association. They do a magnificent job setting up all these interviews and just it's just amazing to have them they're very evergreen so we we have this big concoction of sound bites and clips that we're going to mix together throughout the next hour or so and we'll give you a few comments off of some of the rips of stories that we hear so let's actually kick things off with one of our hall of famers we've had many of them throughout this past year Trevor Hoffman, the closer, is actually going to open for us. He's the opener with one of the best stories from his playing days.
0: When I was in Milwaukee, we kind of, as a group, in a bullpen group, we would do our running and our exercising, calisthenics, or whatever. And we had a player that, had some bad knees bad back and couldn't participate in all the running but was sent inside to do the stationary bike and so what we would do or this one time that he would come out when we as a group got ready to go run is the golf cart flatbed golf cart would come out with a stationary bike on it and I made the gentleman get on the stationary bike and a clubby would drive him next to us as we were running and he would do the stationary (laughs) bike so I didn't want him to not feel a part of what we were doing.
4: They opened the door, and off came the boys of summer—Walter Alston and Reese and Hodges and Frillo and and uh, Snyder—and and as they walked by to get on the bus, uh, and we say this in the first chapter of the book, it was as if these great players walked off these tops cards and came to life. And uh, the last two guys were Campanella and uh, Jackie Robinson, and I'm standing there, and I've got a got a Campanella card, and uh, I'm looking at my dad and. And all of a sudden, they stop. And uh, Jackie says, uh, "You play baseball, son?" And I go, "Yes, sir." And he goes, "Well, you practice hard and work hard, and someday you'll be a Dodger." I looked, yes, sir. <laughs> and uh, and then Campy, you know, said those words that all all of us kids dread when we're young. Is looked at my dad and he said, "Dad, dad had a name tag, Joe. He said, Joe, pretty good student." Oh my lord, Dad, cover for me, you know, and. Uh, and what was back then being hyper is ADHD now. And I had trouble reading. And so my dad says, yeah, he, says, he works hard. We work with him every night, struggling with reading. And uh, Roy says, well, son, you could work as hard as you can on the field. But if you don't learn how to think and study and, and have options for yourself, you know, you'll never make it. I just, yes, sir. And uh, they got on the bus. And that day was the uh, the, the epiphany of my uh, love for baseball, and I lugged the heavy bats around, and I got pine tar in my hands and uh, chalk on my on my shoes. And the Dodgers, we looked, we we went back to old Sporting News, and found out that that day the Dodgers won, I think five to three, and that was to be Jackie Robinson's last spring. So I was so blessed to at least have you know that one day of being around all these boys of summer. And then I love my dad, so for the next six seven years, I'd get a chance to bat boy two or three times. Uh, a year and uh, be around my idols. And then, lo and behold, 12 years out of that first day, I was drafted in the first round by the Dodgers out of Michigan State.
5: Albert, you know, because between any Albert used to go up, go back to the locker, he'd do all his note cards and all that. That was just how he was. But he's like it's so cold and he's going and turn the temperature down to 30 and 40. Right. And then he'll leave. And then the guys that come back in the clubhouse and they're smoking cold. And they say, Kenny, hey, Albert. So I went in there. I went in there and turned it back up to 75. So all of a sudden, Albert comes in with his coat. And he goes and he turns it down again. So all of a sudden I went back there and I was like, it's just cold again. So I turned it back up. So he got upset. He went in there, turned it down, took a bat and broke the thing through the wall. <laughs> it was a big old hole in the wall. You couldn't turn the thermostat no more because he'd broken off the wall. It was gone. It was a big hole. So for three days until they got it fixed, it was 40 degrees in that clubhouse. Get out of here. Yeah. And he was a happy camper. Oh, he was happy. He was the only one smiling. Everyone else got Everybody else got big you know, the, the winter coats and nothing, the locker room, the other rooms. I was the only one sitting there doing his crossword puzzle.
2: Got drafted by the Padres and then before your debut you got traded to the Cardinals. Do you ever stop and think what maybe the course would have been like for you if you ended up in San Diego instead?
6: Yeah, all the time. Um yeah, I don't know. I just uh just would have fought. You know, I, I know um back then I think they got to the playoffs in 06 and I was uh around there. So like they were definitely a team um that were good, I think, for a while around then. And I always I always wonder how I would have been early in my career if I wasn't on a contender to Hmm. be honest
2: why do you say that Uh,
6: I I think the responsibility of um we need you to win like drove me to kind of show up and really you know because like you battle love in the game and this and that and everybody um you know loves the game a certain way and and um I wasn't necessarily a guy that would wake up you know just ready to go play by love baseball but I wasn't that guy that used that in June or July, Mm -hmm. um, to get going. I always found various other reasons. Um, but I think, yeah, there are times where I think about if I wasn't a Cardinal with the demand from La Russa, the veterans, you know, waking up knowing you got Chris Carpenter on the mound, um, you know, that type of stuff, um, what it would have been like. I think it's just harder, like for anybody, no matter how you, um, how much you love the game, like, uh, it's just easier to show up when you're expected to you know dig in and and go go get a w because your team's expected to get to the playoffs
7: And I knocked on Mr. Steinbrenner's door, and I told him, George, I said, this is, uh, uh, I'm Lou Pinella, the guy you traded for for Kansas City. I'm really excited about being here, and I- I'm here a day early to get started. He looked at me and said, you know, son, he says, I'm glad you're here a day early, but you know your hair is a little long. We have a strict <laughs> haircut rule here in New York, and I don't like the locks on the back. He said, you got to go get them trimmed. I said, well, I didn't, I told him, I said, I didn't see the correlation between my hair being a little long and not being able to play baseball and and do well. And I told him, I said, our Lord Jesus Christ was the greatest person that ever walked the face of this earth. And every picture I saw of him was with long hair. He didn't say a word to me. He grabbed me by the hand, followed me. He walked me across the street to the Fort Lauderdale swimming pool. He pointed to the water and he said, if you can walk across that water, you can wear your hair. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. That's George. That's Mr. Snyder.
1: That really <laughs> is. Unbelievable. So, oh, little known fact, and this is the huh. inside Stuff, if you're listening to this episode. We really kicked things off towards the beginning of the year. It was towards the beginning of spring training. We spent some time together in florida and were able to speak with a number of big guests that kind of opened up legends lounge for us and that right. included one so we had some in-person interviews is what i'm saying which were really fun yeah. and that included live one great lou Pinella, who was able to share that last story that everyone just heard about him essentially not being able to walk on water and keep the uh facial hair <laughs> for mr Steinberg or the long hair i should right. say for mr Steinburner. burner i mean he, unless he was literal jesus christ he was not going to break the never-ending thought, hair policy and the long hair policy with the yanks i, I thought and and lou is such a great
3: the, the great thing that first of all i will say about about us being so fortunate to be you know co-hosting these these fantastic guests uh it's the the great storytelling, the guys, the majority of the guys that we have, if not all of them, but Lou is one of the great storytellers of baseball with that voice of his and his style. And I'm just, I'm glad he kept it uh, R rated and not X rated uh, <laughs> uh, for a Lou Piniella. That's pretty darn good. Um, but I, I really have enjoyed the, after we just kind of ran off those, those, those three or four that we had uh, the diversity of, of the show, you know, both in age and also in eras, you know, and circus of playing, but different types of players, hitters and pitchers and different story types. And this was one that, that I truly probably one of my favorite stories because I was, came out of the womb, a Yankee. So, so, so I'm a Yankee fan, uh, you know, out of Cuba into Miami, got, you know, got, got signed by the Yankees and, and was as scared as Mr. Steinbrenner as everybody else was. And even more, mostly of my time was spent in the minor leagues you know, with them, when he would come, we'd hear like in AAA, A, Strymer is in town in Columbus. Oh my gosh. You know, you know, the coaches, you know, whether stump Merrill, get your uniforms clean and wear your spikes. <laughs> right. It was like being the closest that I've ever been to being in the military. So, so hearing that story, uh, Alana, I'll tell you that, that was just phenomenal for me. And I was just uh, loving loving that type of story.
2: Yeah, it's almost as if uh, Mr. Steinbrenner got to rest his soul was a little bit more like a dictator than a, uh, <laughs> than a uh, team owner. But you know what? That is the most antiquated tradition in sports right and it's still going on in Lou Pinella days and your days as you as you were born into the Yankee system and today Carlos Rodon signs with the Yankees and he had to completely shave and he looks absolutely unrecognizable so <laughs> um, I don't know if that is ever going to change but that's a hilarious story um, from Lou Piniella and Mr. Steinbrenner I mean th- his traditions live on even though he does not.
1: He's one of the most influential and famous owners in sports history. In fact, I mean, he basically had a character who you didn't really see, but who existed on Seinfeld. So, which makes me think of one of the next clips we're going to throw to because Jim Edmonds made a very little itty bitty appearance on entourage uh, guest appearance. And, and there's a great story to that too, which I know even for Alana, for example, you were like, eh, that's a good shout out. And those are the kind of stories, Alana, were, that we were looking to uncover from players that we want to make sure out there to the world forever.
2: You know, Doug Ellen, who was the uh, the the brainchild behind entourage, how that man and the rest of the entourage uh, front office brass, if you will, got so many famous people, celebrities on the course of that show over whatever it was, 10, 11 seasons is incredible. So the fact, because we know Jim Edmonds and that personality and the character that he is, the fact that he was on that show doesn't surprise me. What surprises me more is all of the, I mean, from Snoop Dogg to like, you name it, everybody was on Entourage. So you knew that you were somebody if you were on that show. And Jim Edmonds was certainly somebody, um, not only in his career on this Legends Lounge podcast, but I'm not surprised he was on Entourage. I wish I we all should have been on Entourage.
1: Cool. <laughs> right. He
0: would
2: have been on that show. We're cool.
1: Absolutely. No, but for me, and as cool as Jim Edmonds is and and, and was too as a player, um, you still looked at him and you were like, How did Edmonds sneak his way in there with some of those big names during that little scene? And, it's and who that's you exactly know, Scotty. It's who you know, about, yeah. right? Yes. Exactly. So Jim Edmonds is going to kick off our next little rip with his story on his entourage appearance that he basically got gypped on, Jimmy.
8: <laughs> and Kenny Dichter is doing the, hey guys, what's up? You know, blah, blah, blah. Well, his lines were like, two, three minutes long, and he kept screwing them up, over, and Matt Damon was getting pissed, and all the guys on the show are getting pissed, you know, they're like, this is the last episode of the last year, or the last episode of the year, the last scene, all we have to do is get through this introduction, get on a plane and go, Um, and LeBron is just like, doesn't care, he's just like, whatever, you know, and so, they got it got shorter because he couldn't handle his line, shorter, and shorter, and shorter, and so basically it went from like, Hey guys, you know, Jim Edmonds. Hey, this is so-and-so. Hey, this is so-and-so. Hey, everybody. How? And then all of a sudden now it's like, Hey Jimmy, so-and-so, you know, so-and-so yep. see yep. And I was like, yep. what? So <laughs> I was like, every minute that went by my, my little time was getting shorter and shorter and shorter. <laughs> and I was just like, Oh my God. That was it, man. You could have been, you could have been somebody in Hollywood. Yeah. But it was the experience was cool. So, and then the, the best, the next best part was, um, that night they had a rap uh, party and they rented out an entire restaurant and I sat there with Matt Damon his family and um, LeBron and, and all those guys we had a blast. Guess I danced with the wrong girl.
3: Yes, something might have happened. Danced with the wrong girl. Sounds like a song. Sounds like a song.
0: Language.
8: I go out with these guys. I dance with the wrong girl. Next thing I know, at the hotel, about one o'clock in the
3: morning, nobody was there. Yeah. Some guy walks up with a knife. Oh no! And
0: and and we wanted to have a little talk with my boy Dante. Yeah. uh,
3: uh, Again...
8: But luckily, luckily enough, this guy's <laughs> standing over there. No, I didn't know he was there. I'm like, what the heck are you doing? He's on the phone with your wife. Yeah, girl. yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, my, my wife was about to give
3: birth to my first child at that point in time. I mean, she was still a couple of weeks, but she was due at any moment, right? Yeah. And uh, and I'm in Santo Domingo. I mean, I'm in La Romana, and I'm talking to her on the phone, and I look, and I go, Is that Dante? Is that a guy with a knife? <laughs> so I go. I gotta go. And uh, I come down there, kind of, uh, very much uh, intervene on in the situation. Well, and, I mean, arrest this six foot five,
8: whatever. You know, yeah, walks up. And I was in good shape. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and he but talked. he was coming after you. Yeah,
1: uh,
3: he sure
8: not look like it. Wait, all he did was have a little, that little,
3: you know, a little salsa with the girl that he didn't know who sure, it was. Yeah, she danced with him. You know, come on.
9: Greg Maddox on the mound. Uh, I always meet up with Maddox before the ball game. And I say, hey, where do you want me to play certain guys? Here it is. Maddox is in the training room getting treatment. And I don't know what they were doing, but I didn't think he was on a pitch that day. And he looked up at me and said, hey, you're going to throw out your first runner at first base from right field today. And I looked at him like he was crazy. And next thing, you know, he what? said, the, the count's going to be one and two. And I want you to move up. Joe Creedy's going to be at the plate. I want you to move way in and he's going to hit a bullet between first and second and you're going to throw him out. And I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever dude. So here it is. The game's going on. Joe Creedy's out. i look at the big board it the count is one and two. And I'm like, no way this is about to happen. He steps off the mound, looks out at me. I move way in and he hits a bullet between first and second. I come up and throw him out at first and he just tips his cap.
10: What, what I've said, and, and I said, I, I, and I hate to toot my horn, I do. I, I'm not that type no, of guy. No, toot it, what, come on. What I will say is that if my strikeouts are better than the guys that are in the Hall of Fame with, and I have less time than them, then why are they in there? Because right. my numbers are better at, with a lower inning rate than the guys who don't.
2: Correct. I mean, so it would it, stand to reason if you continued to play, your numbers would be better than theirs.
10: Yeah. And so what happens if you go out there and you go, and and I mean, devil's advocate, what if you go out and you play another two years and I play another two years and um, I suck, right? Is there, do, am I going to get the pomp and circumstance of a Trevor to, to, to find a way to get to that 500 save? You know, it's just, it's just, you know, I think it's a a very easy uh, stat to point to. I don't think, I really don't think it's a, Personally, I don't think it's a numbers thing, because I think if it was solely a numbers thing, there'd be more argument.
11: I I clicked with Pedroia. I got 10 years on Pedroia. And since day one, like we'd sit next to each other, we were playing cribbage on the plane all the time.
0: It was just... I love that
11: he loved getting there early, and uh, you know I would rag on him. I said, you know, when I first met Pedro, he was a little bit overweight. He was coming off a knee surgery. I, said, I didn't know the Red Sox drafted short, fat people in the second <laughs> round, you know. And then you know he comes in, he's like, "Who's got a welding mask? Because I'm hitting lasers all over." I said, "Who is this guy?" You know, but he came to play every day, and I really, I really liked guys like that.
1: So one of the other reasons why we wanted to put together a show like this is because players during their playing days versus players post playing career can open up a little bit more around right. and Tell stories that they might not have been able to or been comfortable sharing during their playing days. And, yeah, sometimes it gets spicy and sometimes it's just a funny character personality story like we just heard there from Mikey Lowell about Dustin Pedroia.
2: Well, that's always my favorite thing. And I think we've said that so many times and I know, O and you have discussed it at length as well Is like, these guys are not robots. They're human beings. And to be able to humanize a player, you know, and w- these guys get idolized so much, but really they put their pants on the same way that we do. They just might be more expensive pants. But the point <laughs> is to be able to have these guys open up another fellow Cuban, Mike Lowell, um, just yes, like ma'am. O and I, um, you know, to open up and, and, you know, Pedroia, thank God that kid could play because he certainly did not lack for confidence or arrogance, but he backed it up with numbers. And it's just funny to see, you know, two guys at very different stages in their career, but teammates with a, uh, a mutual respect for one another. But it is cool to be able to uh, to hear some of the funnier stuff that we never get to see. It's like the whole thing about this podcast is take us someplace we're not allowed to go. And Mike Lowell was able to do that for us on Dustin Pedroya.
3: And, and another great storyteller Mike, man. I, I, I love that kid. Uh, again, he's from a different era before me in Miami, where we both grew up in Miami, playing in the same little leagues and 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 you name it. As we grew up through the the Miami chain of of, of playing ball, if you will. Uh, but at that point in time, you know, again, he was ahead of, of Dustin of Dustin Pedroia, so he was probably wondering who is this kid? And, That's
10: exactly uh, right.
3: He did not lack for, for. I remember meeting him the first time at the Trop. Uh when when Boston came in one time and he was probably in second, third year uh with Boston and he was already starting to make a little bit of a name. And and I and, and I Francona was managing and and I remember shaking his hand and he has the tiniest little hand. He's just like tiniest little hand. And just
11: a
12: little guy. He's a little guy,
3: but <laughs> holy caca, is this kid fiery? And and his swing, I was always good I always love breaking down swings, right? A lot of and and I'm going. How is he doing that? And and he, but his hand-eye coordination was so good. And if it wasn't for his injuries, we'd still be talking about him, you know, today. And uh, but what a competitive, great guy. And Francona just loved him. And uh, and sure enough, man, he he was one of the the great stars of the those years uh, in the mid 2000s for
1: the for the Boston Red Sox. And there are many great Dustin Pedroia stories and that's, that's part of our mission here to uncover as many of them as we can. We got to get them on the, the show and, and help defend himself a little bit. So. <laughs> <laughs> we have a few, we have a few that have been mentioned quite frequently in stories that we'll get to at some right, point. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, and go yes, back, sir. you can listen to all these at any time. Obviously they're on demand where you, where you get your podcast, but We also did mix in a few non-former players, and that includes a current player in Jose Trevino, who you'll hear a little clip from coming up, and also in the same organization, Rachel Balkovec, who is a pioneer in the industry with some impactful words.
0: Man, I mean... It's impressive. Uh, first off, it's impressive to, to watch Aaron Judge play baseball. Um, I've never experienced firsthand, like in front of me, a guy, you know, go out there every day, play defense, run the bases, runs the bases well. Uh, of course, he hits, but like handles his business, shows up, you know, does everything. Uh, I've never experienced that firsthand, and like Aaron Judge is that, uh, and I and I, I don't mean disrespect to any players that I played with before because I played with a ton of great players, but Aaron Judge is special about, about how he goes about his business, about how he does his thing. It's it's impressive to watch, and and like you said, the way he handles New York.
2: Rachel, it's oftentimes easier to say that you admire somebody that's older than you, someone that has, uh, you know, some years on you, you're younger than me, and I have a tremendous amount of uh, respect and admiration for you and you are an inspiration in your own right but I do want to ask you this just from woman to woman no disrespect Scott you know I love you but. Are you tired of answering the same questions? Are you tired of saying, you know, um, uh, the first of this, the first of that, I, I asked you from my own experience with that, but I think Scott actually brought up a really good point when we were off air, just talking about, we're never going to progress unless we just normalize this and, and just move forward.
13: Um, yeah, but we're not there yet, you know? So I, I am, to be frank with you, I am tired about, of answering questions, but um, I don't, it doesn't matter, it's my job. You know, and so I don't think like even when I first first got into professional baseball in 2012, um, I just understood that it's like it's a it's another part of my job and I can't say that I'm tired. I don't want to do interviews or now I don't want to sign autographs or I don't want to take the time to speak to a young woman uh, or a a little girl or or a little boy, whatever. Um, That would be really selfish of me. And also just it would be disrespectful to women who've come before me um, in different roles to say, oh, I don't want to do that or. I don't have time for that, which sometimes I don't have time, <laughs> but uh, as much as I can make time for or much as I can do, it's just, it's a part of the job that I signed up for. And I really believe that. So as much as I'm tired of talking about it, I'll talk about it until we don't need to anymore.
0: Well, you
9: know, the no-hitter,
0: I pitched a no-hitter for the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. Um, And, you know, I had no idea what was coming that day. I didn't really have, I hadn't really had a great year. I'd been traded from the Angels to the Yankees. It was kind of a tumultuous season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really pitch to the expectations of the Yankee fans or the Yankee organization. Nobody but,
2: ever does, Jim.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Nobody ever does. <laughs> no, that's the truth. That's a different different animal in New York, no question about it. Um, but that game came out of the blue, came against the Cleveland Indians, who had a had a really good team. And I'm, I didn't really know the the story that would come out of that so much. Yeah, it was personally gratifying. My team was great. The memory is amazing, but my, my goal had always been not just to make it. I wanted to be good. And, and I probably missed a few opportunities to be a better role model in my playing days. Um, because I thought the focus should be performance. I really did. I thought, yes, participating is good. Making it is good. But to be able to tell the story of getting there and doing well is something that I really wanted to happen. And and so in some strange ways, even though my career had a little bit of everything, that no-hitter has kind of allowed for that story to be told. So many people have sort of grabbed onto that. When I go back to New York, people yell across the street. They remember the date. You know, I, I mean, that's just Yankee fans, but yeah, but You know, so many kids and parents, you know, sort of had that to sort of look to. Um, And so that would be probably the most impactful. I I think it was so gratifying personally, but also the fact that so many people to this day sort of latch onto it means, means the world to me.
14: As time has gone on and people there's I think there's a new level of appreciation for you know what it may have been like at, at that time, you know, when um, you know some of the things that Tommy Lasorda used to say, Tommy Lasorda's son died of AIDS while I was he's, on he's, the team. He
2: still won't he still didn't acknowledge it. I, I
14: didn't I didn't even know about it and I was on the team. And and that would not happen today. There's no there's no secret that could be kept um and you know, the irony of uh Tommy Lasorda used to call he used to say Billy Bean, Billy Bean, the the, the boy of every girl's dream. Like he for some reason he used to sing that you know, like probably because he I didn't play enough for him to think about anything on the field. But it was <laughs> uh, you know, I the great irony, you know, of, of all of that, and and uh, and you know, navigating around some really tough guys uh in those days, a lot of you know, players got away with a different culture.
6: Uh, my dad was a huge Dodger fan. He listened to an interview with Sandy Koufax, and Sandy had was talking with uh, Vin Scully uh said if he ever had a son he wouldn't let him throw a curveball because of course koufax had the arthritic elbow until he was about 14 years old so i learned my curveball listening to ben scully described koufax's drop uh mm. at that time um uh, and that that became my curveball but everything set um, every, my curveball was set up because i could throw my fastball or i had to
12: Actually, when I found out I got drafted, I was probably, I'd say four to five weeks away from enrolling into the service, enrolling into the Marines, Mm. um, wasn't really expected to get drafted by any means. Um, I, I really, I didn't have a college scholarship anywhere, um, let alone a partial or, and I was okay with that. I was like, you know, baseball is hard. I gave it my all. It's a results driven industry. The results just weren't there. Um, I'm not the only one to have to close the chapter, you know, of baseball in my life, and enrolled into the service and was negotiating there. Um, out of the blue, had a tryout with the Tampa Bay Rays at the time, or Tampa Bay Devil Rays, if you will. And um, you know, I played baseball all my life, but the the one workout that I had was probably the best day of baseball that I ever played. Ran my fastest sixty, was launching balls over the fence. I remember throwing from the outfield, going like what is happening right now? This isn't my arm. Um, and then, yeah, you know, uh, 2001, I accepted the offer and found myself from Princeton, West Virginia. And, you know, he talked about getting drafted in 2001 and made my debut in 2003 at Yankee Stadium when I was negotiating to go into the service. I mean, you talk about two totally different paths, but it worked out. Which is crazy, because if you think back,
1: for example, Johnny, was it so razor close that if you don't perform, like you just said, to your highest ability in that tryout, are you just not playing Major League Baseball? Is it that simple when you go back? Like, do you think there would have been another chance after
12: that? I don't think so. And it was it was a unique wow. uh, day for me that I was sitting here trying out for a professional team when I didn't have a D1, D2, D3, and I uh, school scholarship. Uh, I, you know, when I got the call to actually go to the workout, I thought it was a prank from my buddies. Um, but you know, at, at the time, you know, I, I was, you know, pretty fit. I could run there. There was a lot of like upside, like we talked about, There's a lot of upside, but stats weren't there. I was sitting at a junior college in Northern California where a lot of guys don't come out of. Um, I, I guess I tried to perform like this was my last day of baseball and, um, yeah, man, it, it, it all moons in line that one day.
7: Game
11: six of the world series. Um, I'm going over my scouting report in the tunnel and Josh Beckett comes work walks out in the tunnel and he sees me kind of going over some stuff and, Out of disgust, I believe, he walks up to me and says, what's your ring size, son? And I look at him and I say, what? He's like, what's your ring size? And even to this day, I get goosebumps because he let me know, you're not coming in this game today. No one's (laughs) coming in this game today. Like, that's basically the energy that he gave me. Like, this is going to be a Texas ass whooping today. Like, we're going to go back to Miami as champions. That's it. Lord and behold, he went out there and fired one of the best games. I've seen it in my career as far as the World Series, you know, deciding ball game on the road. I was warming up in the ninth. I did not want to come into that game. I wanted no part of that game. I wanted no part of that game because it was just his stage. And he really, no pun intended because he's from Texas, took the bull by the horns and stepped up. And so that's why – you see all those cool photos of us lifting him up because he just had this energy about him like, I respect Derek Jeter, but not today. I respect, you know, Jason Giambi, but not today. You know, and he threw the ball with conviction. And so every time I see my ring, I hear a little annoying Josh Beckett telling him, like, I know, that enjoy your ring ringside, son, but... <laughs> really really cool like moment to share with him and every time i bring it up after drinking our wild turkey together when i see him in houston uh yeah yeah it's a really really cool <laughs> ba-
1: really cool badass. that's moment awesome story for me yeah yeah absolutely. that is contagious confidence uh, yeah, yeah that is that is a badass line before you <laughs> that is, down and shut down the yankees Our new year's bash 2022 recap, just about completes. We ran through some of our favorite stories from all of our guests from the past year. We do this once a week and let's finish off by picking out some favorites. So Alana, you kick things off, give us one or two that you're going to think about and remember for a long time.
2: I think everything with Billy Bean was so cool just because it's just a different approach. It's something that we didn't talk about a lot. And he brings such a different and unique perspective, um, to our great game that we love so much. So I really appreciated uh, his candor and his honesty. Um, Another one I loved was David freeze. I mean, it just goes to show you that every single decision we make in life or someone makes for us completely changes the trajectory of what we're supposed to be doing. What if he never played uh, for Larusa? What if he was never a Cardinal? Would he even be on the Legends lounge podcast? Would he have been, you know, a world series MVP? So those are a couple of things that I, I really enjoy.
3: for me yeah for me um definitely uh you know out of like awe having faced them and struggled mindedly against them was we had so many greg maddox stories you know on and off the field type things mostly off the field because he's such a goofball but this one happened to be on the field and and the the one where brian jordan talks about you know him coming in and he says hey a 2-0 for you know third pitch of the game come on in and he just sets it all up. And Brian is in disbelief, as I would have been. And, he, you know, 2 count, ground ball between first and second. He throws him out at first and he tips his hat. I mean, so that was the greatness. That, that was great for our show to be able to bring, you know, firsthand greatness from another player that was also in awe of this goat, if you will, one of the greatest of all times in, in, in Maddox. Uh, I, I definitely would think. That the Albert Bell smashing the thermostat, I think that was one of <laughs> Scotty's favorites. I'm telling I, yes. I know Scotty. We talked about that one for a while. Uh, wasn't that one of your favorites,
1: Scotty? Oh my gosh, that was definitely one <laughs> of my favorites classic. of the year. Because I mean, you Brilliant. know, Albert Bell is full of stories, but I'm like, give me one I haven't heard. It's like Albert Bell versus the worlds, right? Every- <laughs> like, Dude, we can't live in a freezer. And he's like, No, you can and you will. <laughs> And I will I will break this place until I get my way. <laughs> that's how that's how like almost psychotic he was about his
3: hitting and 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 the need to to also win. Um uh, one more that I'm gonna add, just as far as just the greatness of baseball. Again, because we had such a diversity of stories from guys in their eighties to their thirties, right? Um and, and and that was Steve Garvey talking about being a mm. bat boy for the Dodgers. You know, and, and, and getting a chance to meet all these Dodger greats, Campanella and you name it, and then becoming a Dodger great. I, I thought that that left me with, with chills. You know, that was a sweet one.
2: And being in that infield for as long as he was. I right. Mean, no one's going to be in an infield together like that ever again, just the way that the world works now. And it is ironic, though, that the Padres uh, retired number six. Um, I don't I don't think of Garvey as a Padre. I think of Garvey. No,
3: I know.
1: But he did take him to the World Series. So I guess that, that was, you know, the thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give you one legendary story from, I will also think back to Dontrell Willis on Josh Beckett coming through. What's your ring size? I'm like, (laughs) come on. Right before you just pitch the game of your life and and, and knock down the world and you're basically telling – Everyone else, yeah. Don't worry about warming up too much in the bullpen or anything because uh, rings are coming through for you.
2: I think the better Dontrell Willis story um, is when his mom stopped picking him in her fantasy fantasy baseball league. That's when he knew his career was over. Mom, stopped, <laughs> was mom, good. mom, stopped picking her own son. So I think that's actually a better Dontrell Willis story. When when mama said when mama says you're done, you're probably done.
1: And what <laughs> makes the story special too is, I mean, we we kicked it off towards the beginning when you know, O it would, would say, Hey, it, I'm going to call this no way. Jose you know, is, is trademark at the end. And, and give me something that you haven't given us before and all of that. So the way I want to finish our 2022 recap show is with a story that was actually connected to, Oh, it was one of our earlier stories too. It's Dante Bichette oh my. Whose life was literally <laughs> saved by the one and only big man. Oh, I mean, it, you got to go back and listen to it. Yeah, Alana, this is this is a must listen. I mean, there there is knife point involved the whole deal. Oh, to the <laughs> point, Alana,
3: that that it, whenever I see Bo, who I've known since he was born, but when he got to the big leagues, finally, I said, you know, you wouldn't be here without me, son. Oh,
1: mercy. Because
3: <laughs> Bo Bichette hadn't been born yet at this
1: point. Dante Bichette, just one little, I'll just give you one little teaser on it. Dante Bichette dancing with the wrong person.
2: Oh wow! Now, see, I'm glad that we can uh, get on these and listen to these at any point because I—that's <laughs> a must listen. I'm intrigued. I'm and I've inter- I've interviewed thousands of people. I'm intrigued by this one
1: guaranteed a story and again that you would not be sharing during your playing days but we are far Good enough child. from it okay
2: okay we're,
1: we're in a safe space and you know i don't know where that guy is anymore that that was uh, doing thing, <laughs> carrying a machete somewhere i think <laughs> exactly yeah so uh, make sure you you take your brain back to that time period where Dante Bichette was and listen to the, the story and the Oak Connection, and he was in person with him. But again, just uh, cheers to, to both of you. Thank you for all the work you do with us and with all of these guests. Alana, we really appreciate having you on board. And I know you love doing this.
2: Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for letting me join your amazing team. Uh, happy New Year to everybody. Looking forward to the uh, the lounge in 2023, hopefully.
1: Exactly. Cheers. Oh, you're the man. Obviously, you brought the best out of some of these former players for now a long time here. A good year to look back on. It is a
3: fantastic year to look back on. Uh, you know, and I tell you what, looking forward to a 2023 that's gonna be uh even better. Uh, we're gonna be talking and 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 sharing some maybe some WBC stories, you know, early on uh from yesteryear that both Lana Lana and I myself have covered in past years. So it's gonna be, oh, and by the way, I've got just a little teaser uh when we come back from our little hiatus it's hopefully going to be another goat that's going to be bright different and interesting that'll hmm. be uh on tap by uh by early february for us on the legends lounge so make sure you get your tickets and come on in because <laughs> dotty b is tough man he uh, he controls the door and, and uh, if, you, if you don't alana i'm telling you man you
1: you gotta you gotta it. Everything VIP has people. to
2: go through Scott Braun before on the show. I can tell you that much.
1: It's I always wanted to be to a bouncer. So <laughs> now, no, I hell, know. Oh a bouncer, duty. you're the owner, baby. <laughs> well, cheers Thanks, up, everyone. Thanks again for for listening and uh hope you enjoyed that little rip and make sure you tune back to anything that you wanted to hear more of and then a lot more coming your way in 2023 so for the last time in 2022 the lounge is closed
0: the legends lounge podcast is brought to you by major league alumni marketing hit us with questions or comments at legends lounge at mlbpaa.com Check out our memorabilia at MLAMAuthentics.com. Later, Legends.
1: Baseball Legends Lounge is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.